Hey, CLC family, uh, welcome to our Sermon Q&A podcast on this Holy of Holy Weeks. It is uh, Tuesday it is. in Holy Week. Um, is there, there's no day like prescribed for Tuesday, is there? We, you know, was he know cleansing that. the temple, cursing yeah, the fig tree, okay, okay. maybe, you know, that we don't really have exactly the days when yeah. it was followed. Sure. Okay. Um, I was curious. There's a little side tangent. That's not why we're here. But we do want to remind you that we have some pretty cool things happening uh, at the CLC yes. this week for Holy Week, actually. Um, so tomorrow there's no cows. Don't show up here. You'll be by yourself. It'll just be you and Jesus, which is not a bad thing. But Thursday, we'll be at the NLPC for our Maundy Thursday service, and that's at 7 p.m. And then Friday, right here at the CLC, we have a Good Friday service right here, also at 7 p.m. And the way you've been kind of describing it is if kids can sit in class during the day, um, then they could. this is probably really accessible to them. So we invite you, uh, bring them out to these spaces. Hopefully it's just as meaningful as uh, for them as it will be for you. And then, of course, on Sunday, two services, 9 o'clock and 1045, right here at the CLC. I love how you explained it uh, maybe a week or so ago, like, hey, bring a plate of cookies to your neighbor and then say, hey, you do you want to come to church with me? Because that's like the biggest um, indicator that someone would come to church is just an invitation, right? It is. If they if they respect you and they're in a relationship with you, yeah. you know, there's a relational context. And, you know, relational relationship, I heard somebody say like in John 4, Jesus developed a relationship with that woman at the well, even though he never met her. But yeah. it was in a relational, it didn't feel like a drive-by yeah. as they had that conversation that he was just selling her something that yeah. she wasn't asking about, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think that's an art. But yes, definitely. It, it is one of those weekends that people are willing to attend. Yeah, they are. You know? So um, just invite them. Bring them some cookies. I like cheesecake. If you bring me cheesecake, I will oh, come. Man. Just kidding. I'll be here already. So, um, But yes, we want to just encourage you. And if you have any questions on any of that or if you're looking for more information, visit our website, clcfamily.church slash Easter. You got all the information you might need right there. Fantastic. Awesome. Best week of the year. Yeah, it's going to be great. This week. I'm excited. Um, awesome. Well, we're going to jump into our podcast. This is episode 10, uh, and we are, we're talking Palm Sunday. That was kind of the sermon series that we we're in. So I'm going to do what I usually do. I'm going to start the timer. We're going to do two minutes of sermon recap, about seven minutes of chatting and more in depth about the sermon, and then the last eight minutes of actually answering some of your questions. So you ready to go? Yeah, for right. sure. For Here sure. we go. Two minutes starting now. Here we go. Yeah, so Palm Sunday really is the, it's the time that after three years of Jesus saying, my hour's not yet, my time's not yet, don't tell anybody this. Mm. Um, although he did some very public things, like yeah. resurrect a few people and yeah, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Or resuscitate people, I guess you could say technically, resuscitating them back to this life. Um, he did you know, always have some caution about any public demonstration, yeah. especially one saying that he was king. And all that caution was no more. And all of a sudden, he's staging this public demonstration and, and encouraging, you know, the children, saying if these are silent, these stones will cry out. Uh, maybe pointing to the tombs of the prophet. We were uh, in Israel scene where he came by and was like, those are the tombs of the prophets. He's saying these stones. So was he saying there'd be a resurrection? I don't know. But at any rate, he was very much embracing, like, I am the king of Israel. And I am the one who is to come. And accepting all of that real worshipful responses to him. And I think that's what sets Palm Sunday apart. But the way he did it, coming lowly on a donkey in peace, humble, was anticipating the way a king in the ancient Near East would have come in. They would have recognized that as saying, this is the way a king comes. Hooray, he is here. Um, And just kind of walking through that incredible opening of this week that takes up most of the focus of the Gospels. They're either anticipating 
the coming of this week where Jesus would die or they're actually living out. Like in John's gospel, it's mm-hmm. chapter 12 all the way to the end are just the next six days of Jesus' life mm-hmm. and that's Easter Sunday. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, it's, it's a powerful focus for us yeah. as Christians. This is like um, the first domino of Holy Week that kind of sets the stage for the rest of it. In some ways. I mean, aside from the whole ministry of Jesus for three years. but It does. Um, One thing I love about it, it unites us with the church around the entire world. Yeah, yeah. That everybody is kind of anticipating. Our salvation didn't drop out of the sky, you know, and somebody wrote a novel about it. Um, but it, it took place in history. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, awesome. So. Appreciate that. Um, and so now we're going to um, talk a bit more in depth about it. Um, there are a lot of things that kind of uh, you talked about. I remember you took your jacket off and threw it on the ground. If, it, if you're watching, you know what he was referencing there. Um, and then just kind of other things that you're highlighting about, like regime changes. So if we, you could, is, is there anything that um, maybe you wanted to say on Sunday that you couldn't say? And then we can kind of dive into some of those other things. Yeah, so many things. I want to yeah, do right? over every yeah. Sunday after you finish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say that whole thing you mentioned of regime change, I do think like we we all have the point of contact with the gospel of realizing that things are not the way we want them to be. And what the Bible says, it's very encouraging to me, is that um, this is not the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. And so we want regime change, but I often just want my external circumstances to improve mm. without realizing it's got to come at a heart level. Yeah. So I do really find, like, just realizing that I've got to welcome Christ at that level to come into the internal part of my life and to do that rearranging in my own life. And that's what the gospel really does say is his first coming came to really deal with from the inside out where change happens. Uh, And imagine if he changed our circumstances, we'd be right back to Eden, except we would be messed up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And what Jesus does is he he says, no, we're not doing that. We're going to fix uh, this propensity toward evil, toward yeah. sin, toward marring the image of God. And then I'm also going to then place you in that perfect yeah. circumstance, the new heavens, the new earth that we long for. So um, so I just love how this is Jesus' solution to our fallenness, yeah. you know, that the world was awesome, uh, which we need to emphasize. Yeah. Um, the world is not just first broken. The, first, the world and even us as image bearers yeah. first are endowed with this goodness. Um, but we're also broken and Christ came not only to forgive us, but then he also, he's taking us somewhere, you know, and restoring us to that. That's the full picture of, of the gospel that excites me about being a Christian and, and just recognizing what Jesus did. So you says it, you say it has to kind of begin at a heart level, kind of, yeah, I like that image of, yeah, we could fix your circumstances, but then you, who are so prone to actually mess them up, needs also some redemption and restoration. So for anyone who's watching and they're like, you know, I want that, I want God to do a work in me, what does that kind of look like? And where does, you know, where does someone start if they want God to kind of renovate their soul or even rip out the old, you know, put in the new type thing? Yeah. What does that look like to... I, I think of how, place? and I think somebody said, Augustine said it first, but I think it's very much in the Bible that part of what trips us up is we have disordered loves and yeah. it's not even that we love bad things um, sometimes that's true yeah but it's that we love good things in a wrong way yeah yeah you know and that we put pressure on them that then distorts those things mm-hmm. as well as us you mm-hmm. know so like with our children and uh, you're in an exciting phase of parenting you yeah. know but but you can't uh, make your identity your children you'll yeah. place a weight on them that they don't they don't want you to 
see them as your identity yeah and you yeah. can't love them well yeah or be who you are or have them be who they are like so that's the kind of thing that jesus comes and gives a different order to yeah you know and um and a different sense of calling to yeah so i think that's part of it it always is repentance um you know and turning but also it's displacing those things with what is right what yeah. should be enthroned there yeah um yeah, and so that's you know that's what the gospel does for us. Yeah. It's not just this transactional forgiveness, and then okay, when I mess up, I'm forgiven. Yeah, but it is a whole new way of living out a life calling. And honestly, I think that's what I find most compelling and attractive about Christianity. Yeah, is it really does fit the where I see in my own life the need. You yeah, know? it just fulfills that so perfectly. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it varies a lot from maybe what we've grown up hearing about, like just this holy week of like, you know, sometimes we reduce it to a prayer and yeah. then without kind of all that renovation taking place, perhaps, or what we would call discipleship. Uh, and I don't know, any uh, other thoughts or comments on maybe what we've grown up hearing about the gospel and holy week and how we ought to respond versus maybe what, what the scriptures are inviting us into? Yeah, I know for me, I you know, I grew up in a more mainline church that never talked about the cross being something that I needed for God to overthrow evil in my life, the world, you know, and the place where sin was was dealt with. Um, It was just only an example. I think it is an example. You know, it is the way we should love our enemies. It is the way it is beautiful in that. But I can't follow that example or even want to unless I. I deal with it personally, yeah. but I but I do think for other large sections of the church, it's just almost a fire insurance. You know, yeah. deal with my personal individual guilt, and there is no calling to be part of that solution. Yeah, you know? I think again that we've talked about this before, Christian. But like, if we start with Genesis three mm-hmm. and it's a broken world, then all we've got is the forgiveness of that and the wiping it clean. Yeah. But if we start with Genesis one and two, yeah. And we say, like, this is the vision of God, and we're like in, uh, as N.T. Wright says, we're middle managers, yeah. you know, of the reality God has, and he loves to work through us. Then once we're back in relationship with God, then that calling continues. And yeah. so, I'm look- I mean, I'm looking forward to heaven that is not sitting on a cloud passively, just yeah. sing- singing praise songs, but a heaven where, like, you know, I'm gardening or yeah. building bridges yeah. or, I don't know, exploring galaxies maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like we're active, we're doing things. Yeah, and we're tasting and feasting and um, dancing and yeah. rejoicing. Yeah, that's. You know. I feel like it's a much more thorough and you know, not to say have you know, enticing. Like I think that kind of meets us where we're at because it is um, a much fuller picture of what things I think will be like. Um, but it's a much more beautiful picture too, where God is so very much uh, interested in, you know, um, are still having roles, kind of like in heaven and tasks and be, kind of being, uh, you know, I like that phrase middle managers in some ways, but a little bit different, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, a much more fuller picture of what things could be like. And I think we settle for a far less enticing or far less, you know, relevant um, picture of that. But anyway. Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, what, what else in your sermon maybe did you not get to that you're really hoping to kind of land on that you just couldn't? You know, um, when I when I think about, I, I talked to some about the children and their place in, in leading that. And I think that, um, part, that I think this, there's such a beautiful picture there of, for the church of Jesus and even what masculinity is mm-hmm. and even what, um, 
you know, strength is. And so not just riding on a mule, not riding on a lowly donkey, but I think just this whole relational context yeah. was, was beautiful. And so I think you could spend a whole sermon on that. What does that, what is the masculinity and the force and kingly power of Jesus look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, Cause I, I've read, you know, um, just how that has so come into a lot of quarters of the evangelical church yeah. where we've adopted this, very worldly, muscular, military masculinity mm-hmm. um, that makes all these assumptions that are not there. Yeah. And I think this portrait of Jesus surrounded by children, praising crowds, and just all the people that he notices on the way to the cross. Yeah. Um, so it's a really beautiful portrait of what it means to be human. Yeah. You know, yeah. what it means to be masculine too, but yeah. I just think the humanity, like you're not less of a human because you're male. And, yeah. Um, so uh, in the context of today, that maybe that's something worth drawing out of the text and reflecting on. Yeah, that could be a whole sermon series too. Definitely a good, <laughs> a good one. Yeah, maybe a yeah, a sermon one. series on masculinity and femininity and what it is and what it is not. Yeah, we probably yeah. have to spend more time on what it's not. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, right. in some ways than we would like to. But yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, appreciate that. Uh, then the last portion, uh, we have some questions via email. Um, that we'll go over. Uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So I'm going to put eight minutes here. Let me see. I always forget how to do this thing. Here we go. All right. Um, so uh, first question. Uh, let's see here. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. Okay. Um, first question is, before we are motivated to ask Jesus for his regime change in our lives, does God have to make the first move? Yeah, well, um, one way to look at that question, I was thinking about it, is um, God has always made the first move. You yeah. know, he's a creator uh, from absolutely nothing. He's always the one moving toward us in love. He's yeah. He's the one wooing us. Um, and, and so I think it is helpful to realize God is already speaking to everybody in yeah. the world. And the Holy Spirit is already working in all of the world and the, our sometimes our role as Christians or in the church is to say if that conversation is shut down for some reason mm-hmm. we would like to help you recognize that it's only on your side that it's shut down yeah. God is having that conversation with you yeah. um, and the Bible does emphasize pretty boldly and put a very strong accent on God's initiative yeah. he loved us first Yeah, he's reaching out to us his kindness is already there yeah. leading us to repentance but we have to be careful with that, that it's never an excuse for our saying we don't have something to respond to. Yeah. I think what the gospel does is it says, okay, you know, Jesus has gone the whole distance now. Yeah. Are you going to receive that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's how I would put it. But I do think unless God is the one who takes the first and the primary step toward us, it can lead us into a kind of works mentality yeah. Yeah. that says because I was spiritual because I was a spiritual person in my home yeah. I was spiritually mm. sensitive which is just not true yeah. for anybody yeah. it's God whatever responsiveness we have to God um, what Paul says what do you have except that which you have received and yeah. if you received it why do you boast Yeah. Um, so I think that's the concern of the Bible is to say realize that everything you have you've received Yeah. Um, and it's a gift yeah that's good so. I think the Methodists have a word for it like prevenient grace that you know Admit, hopefully I'm not botching up that, that that doctrine, but it's this idea that there's grace ahead of us. Kind of even that grace is even enabling us to respond in some capacity and encounter encounter yeah. God. So, um, yeah, served at a Methodist church for a couple of years. And picked well, when up, you so. read Wesley's sermons, which I read some of them, yeah. I was so impressed by how much he emphasized God's prior work yeah. in enabling people to hear, to perceive, oh, yeah. to be called. 
He was very big on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. More than so many so-called Calvinists are yeah. today. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even like you know our ability to you know engage in this podcast or engage in a Sunday morning, it's like God is showing us His grace in some ways that we can kind of encounter those spaces. So I don't know. That's how I like yeah. to see a little bit. Um, yeah. Awesome. Second question um, is this: What's behind Ephesians one four that He chose us before the foundation of the world? And so I guess He's referencing this idea of God making the first move. Would we say that Ephesians one four is a reflection of that reality? Yeah, and I think I mean uh, that Ephesians one four, and I think of Romans eight twenty nine, where it says, "Those whom He predestined, hmm. He also did foreknow," and to be. To be foreknown is a word of intimacy yeah. and, and of actually knowing us beforehand. You know, when we get into the eternal counsels of God, like, he's already there, yeah. but he's already in tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my mind starts to bend. And it probably should, right? <laughs> it yeah. should, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and realize that. But, but again, yeah, there is this prior loving, gracious yeah. plan of God. Um, I, I pretty much understand the emphasis of the Bible is there for all that is good. He's preordained it and pre-connected me with it. I have a sense that when when you look at the other side of it, that there isn't this action of foreordaining and foreknowing and predetermining, but that it is more of just God passing by or people not responding to the active love of God. I think it's stated differently in the Bible. Yeah. Um, but I do think the positive, loving determination of God is is a very powerful source. Yeah. 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 And it's ahead of us. Yeah. And behind us. And love us in both Yeah, right. <laughs> that's really good. That's that. Uh, what's that Irish uh, prayer that's prayed on um, on uh, Saint Patrick's Day often? Uh, yeah, it's the prayer of Saint Patrick. It kind of talks about that too. I think right? he's entering that, or he's it's an invitation that. for you know God to be, you know, before us, behind us, above, beneath type thing. Anyway, or yeah, great prayer, but. Um, yeah, awesome. Uh, third question is, Bob mentioned that Jesus takes full authority for an outer regime change. How does that transformation happen? Yeah, well, when I think of outer regime change, I do think like the conforming of everything in this earth yeah. with the way it's supposed to be, and the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and fills this earth. And so when I think of regime change, I think what's happened in a lot of evangelical circles has been a very questionable and unbiblical kind of um, beam me out of here, get yeah. me out of here, let me escape. God would never allow Christians to suffer a tribulation. And I just don't find that in the New Testament. But what yeah. I find is God is going to bring it down here. Mm -hmm. So I really think I have a passion for the church to trade in the beam me up escapism for a bring it down yeah. and make me an agent of that here. Yeah, that's good. Um, I've heard, um, I know Charles Spurgeon had a sermon that impacted me and I read it many years ago where he said that in heaven, there is going to be some greater satisfaction for those who said, I was working toward this yeah, on earth and now I'm seeing it hmm. in completion. Yeah. So the removal of all diseases or, you know, areas of injustice yeah. where we see a reconciled, diverse church. And for people who say like, yeah, that was my life's work and now I'm seeing Jesus complete all those strokes. Yeah. Um, it makes it wonderful. And uh, Martin Luther used to say, if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, I'd plant a tree, you know, hmm. um, because the world is going to be restored even in its mm. environment yeah, yeah, and yeah. cosmically. And I can take delight. Yeah. You know? So 
there will be a correspondence. It'll it'll blow our minds. Yeah. I don't think Chester County will look exactly the same. But mm-hmm. what about the beautiful rolling hills and the pure streams and the like? They'll just be more than ever. Yeah. Um, and this will be such a habitable place to live. Yeah. Beyond our wildest dreams, but yeah. we ought to be doing that now. Yeah, prepping it. I mean, we ought to be prepping, ushering it in. Yeah, and participating in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that's that's kingdom work. Yeah, that he calls us to, and the gospel is an invitation to give your life to that kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, and to be part of that regime change now, uh, in uh, obviously all only nonviolent ways. Mm-hmm. I will say when Jesus brings it, there may be you know. A bit of that force and mm-hmm. coercion, it's going to, the the universe is going to give birth to something that it was intended to be. Yeah. Um, and our part now is to peacefully promote what he's going to finish. Yeah, yeah. Um, best as I can understand it. Yeah. But, uh, that will be the resurrection, like what Jesus does to our bodies with correspondence, but so much better than what we have now. I can't wait to pass through walls and, I don't know, <laughs> will we be able to just like, I can just... Here in France, yeah, I don't right. know. Um, That'd be but I think, cool. <laughs> I think there's so many capabilities Jesus' yeah. body had that a, a, a human body before resurrection doesn't have. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he was resurrected, never to die again. Um, whereas Lazarus was just resuscitated, and you know was going to have to go through some kind of death again. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus is the first person who has ever been resurrected. Yeah, yeah. Um, so lot to look forward to, and a a, a totally different picture of like the beauty of Easter and what God is doing like today, tomorrow, and yeah. what ultimately will kind of come about with, you know, heaven coming back to earth. Um, if you can give one last invitation, one last word to wrap up, what would you invite everyone to? I don't think there's a greater hope for any of us to drink in. And there's something about drinking it all in together, uh, that I just say to invite a friend into that mm. and to have conversation about that. I mean, I don't think Chester County has too much hope. <laughs> I don't think our world has too much hope. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, coming out of COVID and all the things of the last three years, are this should be an especially joyful yeah. Easter, I hope, around the globe. Yeah. I hope it is a time of real in-gathering. And, yeah. uh, we've been praying around each of the places that people would enter CLC's facilities from mm-hmm. outdoors to children's ministry to this platform and uh, the place where the word is preached and, and worship is led and just praying with expectancy that God will really minister hope and healing to people's hearts and mm. for all the things that disappoint us uh, I'm looking forward to preach from the Emmaus Road and just those you know Jesus everybody has a resurrection shaped hole in their life and grief and that is where hope is found so I'm I'm excited about what we have to offer as a church it's, yeah we really hope to see you there. Again, if you have questions about any of that, you can email us or just check out the website, clcfamily.church Easter. It's got everything you might need and then more. So, um, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in uh, to this podcast on this Holy of Holy Weeks. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And uh, we'll see you real soon. Take yeah. care.